Will the Democratic Party regain the religious vote in 2008? We'll interview a Time Magazine editor who can tell us how and why that will happen. And we'll speak with a university professor who has regular run-ins with campus feminists. He'll tell us why feminism is bad for women. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Crystal College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man. December 7, 1841, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. It ain't over until Texas says it's over. Okay, that's Governor Mike Huckabee. He's running for President of the United States. Huge rally in Plano last night. And, of course, we had an exclusive live interview with Governor Huckabee right here on Jerry Johnson Live at 6 o'clock. We'll be playing some of those sound bites throughout the show. And I have this question, though. If there's anyone out there that was at the rally... And you want to call in and share the experience. Talk about the highlights. Tell us what your impressions were. Uh, the number is 800-881-9270. If you went to the Huckabee Rally last night and you want to talk about that experience and talk about why you're supporting him, or maybe you're not, the number is 800-881-9270. We want to hear from folks who went to that Huckabee Rally last night. We're going to hear some of that sound. But, of course, Barack Obama on the Democrat side surging in the polls. Huge rally, 17,000 in Dallas yesterday. Again, from all reports we've heard, the atmosphere was electric. Now, Obama talking a lot about hope. And um, religious. In fact, Hillary's talking religious. In fact, all of the Democrat candidates are talking more religious than they ever have before. Now, here's Obama on prayer. Through prayer, not only can we strengthen ourselves in adversity, but we can also find the empathy and the compassion and the will uh, to deal with the problems that we do control. All right, is, is this sincere spirituality? Can we really judge anyone like this? But wait a minute, here's Obama on uh, America. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. All right, well, what do you think of that? Is he, is he reaching out to the religious right or to conservatives? Is he not? Is something happening, Penna, in the Democrat Party? Well, there certainly is a strategy to uh, close the God Gap, and Time Magazine's Nation editor will join us to talk about the Democrats and religion. She says that they are closing this God Gap, and it's going to continue. But the question is, can a pro-abortion, pro-homosexual platform ever appeal to evangelicals, and really, why should it? We will speak with Amy Sullivan later in the program. 
Also, radical feminism is increasingly irrelevant in our culture today, but it's alive and well on the State University campus. University of North Carolina professor Mike Adams is one of the leading critics of diversity and the diversity movement in academia, and he has had lots of dealings with campus feminists. He chronicles some of the absurdities in a new book, Feminists Say the Darndest Things, and we are going to interview Mike Adams later in the program. All right, so Obama and Huckabee in town yesterday, and we're going to talk about that some today. Again, Mike Huckabee live on Jerry Johnson Live last night at 6 o'clock, maybe uh you are an appointment listener, and you missed that last night. Uh, let's play. I asked Governor Huckabee really about the importance of the distinction or the difference between him and John McCain or him and some of the Democrats, particularly on human life. Here's Governor Huckabee. Well, I support a human life amendment, and Senator McCain does not. I do not support human embryonic stem cell research, and he does. Uh, we couldn't be further apart on these issues, and I think they're important issues. If we don't stand for life, I think that we could fall for anything. And I think this country uh, will unravel when it loses its moral center. And nothing uh, causes us to lose our moral center more than when we have disrespect for the life that God made. All right, Governor Huckabee, on the record, supporting a human life amendment. McCain, not. Governor Huckabee, wanting to ban embryonic stem cell research. McCain, not. And, of course, him, Governor Huckabee, saying... If we don't stand up for human life, we will fall for anything. We're going to talk about that for a few minutes, the importance of human life. And is there common ground with Steven Spielberg? Well, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes, so stay tuned if you like to follow the movies in Spielberg. But we've got Lee on the line from Plano. Actually, I'm asking anyone out there who went to the Huckabee rally last night who wants to talk about it to call in. The number's 800-881-9270. Lee, were you there at that rally last night? What did you see? Yes. Yes, I was, and uh, I thought it was a very good rally. They had to open up more space. Uh, I, I assume they didn't anticipate as many people who as showed up, but a lot of people came out, and I think um, Governor Huckabee um, really energized the crowd and gave all of us more hope that there is some hope um, because Texas really does count. And, uh, of course, all these... Um, <laughs> I think he called them talking heads. They're trying to convince us that it's over. Hmm. But uh, it's not over till it's over, even though it, it, chances look very, very slim. We can still, yeah. you know. Well, he's there. from Hope. He's from Hope, and he says he's a man who believes in miracles. Listen, um, you know, I mentioned this yesterday on the program. You remember Paul Wellstone? He was running for the Senate up there in Minnesota, I believe, and he was way ahead in the polls. He died in a plane crash. It just shows us that uh, anything can happen. Of course, we're not looking for anything like that. McCain is 71. There was a scandal uh, almost yesterday, even after I had no knowledge of that. But it shows, it reminds us, I think this scandal is is actually a non-event, but it reminds us that anything can happen, Penna. And that's another good reason for Huckabee to stay in the race, because for some reason or another, McCain could drop out or or, or go off the scene. And uh, 
people need an option, and especially they need a conservative kind of an option. You know, late last night, your words kind of flashed through my brain as I read that New York Times article about John McCain. And of course, uh, as you said, uh, that's probably a non-story. But in a sense, it did say that, you know, it is good to have an alternative. But I think even more importantly, it's important for a candidate on the Republican side to be voicing the social values, the values of family, uh, the values of uh, life, the protection of human life, and also to have a strong position on things like the border and the economy. All right. We've got Bobby on the line from Plano. Bobby, thank you for joining us. Were you at that rally last night? What did you think of it? I thought it was great. Um like the other caller said, they had to make room for all of us that were standing out in the hall, and there was a great diverse group there, and it was just great to hear how articulate uh, Mike Huckabee is, and, you know, for people that believe in life and traditional marriage and fair tax issues, he, he's the only choice. What kind of people did you see there? I mean, you said there was a diverse group there. Was it mostly Christians, do you think? Uh, I'm sorry, you cut out. Uh, I saw mostly, well, I saw um, quite a diverse group. There were young people, there were grandmas and grandpas, there were people with their children. Um, I saw people of color, and so it was it was great. Thanks for the report. All right, Thank Bobby, you. thanks for that update. We also had Denise, who was at the rally last night. She's from Bedford. Denise, thank you for calling. Uh, what did you see? How do you feel about Huckabee's campaign? Well, Jerry, I wasn't actually at the rally, um, but I did hear this man preach in our church last summer. Ah. And I am telling you, he is a man of integrity and stands on God's Word, and that's what we need right now. Mm. And he he is not scared to stand alone, and I would just encourage everybody to be on their knees praying for this man, that God lifts him up to this nation. Thanks so much, Denise. You know, we mentioned yesterday, Penna, that uh, just staying in the race this long against all the party officials and um, the leaders who would be pressuring him at this moment to step down shows that he has some stamina, uh, he has some courage, he has some conviction. And the truth is, if he could win Texas and or Ohio, he could keep McCain from getting the automatic number. Mm -hmm. And so folks would go to the convention, and again, anything can happen between now and convention time. Issues, um, uh, scandal, uh, deaths, resignations, uh, you know, all sorts of things can happen. War, um, some policy development. And so once again, it's important for people to vote their conviction, whether they're for Huckabee or not, or Ron Paul or John McCain, whoever it might be. The primaries are the time to vote your conviction. Again, if Huckabee comes in a strong second, what it does is it pulls that party to the right. It pulls that party to the right on abortion, to the right on uh, on traditional marriage. And that, of course, would be a good thing. In Texas, uh, unlike many of the states uh, on the Republican side, it's uh, not a winner-take-all situation. Right. So it's really number. It's a numbers game. And so the more delegates he can get, the better position we're in, we who care about uh, the life issue and the family issues. Mm. Well, look, I uh, I said, what does he have in common with Steven Spielberg? Well, probably not a lot, but I don't want to bring this up because a lot of times we're at odds with Hollywood as Christians, as conservatives, but I think we should offer kudos to Steven Spielberg today, and maybe we can talk about this more later. But Steven Spielberg uh, has been touted as, uh, you know, the genius that was going to put the Beijing Olympics 
presentation together. As you know, there's a lot of theater whenever you have Olympics. There's an opening ceremony, a closing ceremony. Spielberg was their man. Spielberg said, uh, no thanks this week. And he said, I'm pulling out because of China's record on human rights. Not just in their country, but particularly as it uh, comes to Sudan, Darfur, uh, he says, look, China is propping up that government that is supporting and allowing genocide. We've had over 400,000 people there in uh, the Sudan, in Darfur, that have been killed. Uh, this is genocide, the taking of innocent human life. And what's happening is China is buying all this oil from the Sudan that's propping up the government. They're not putting any pressure on the Sudan and uh, the other nations of the world are trying to, you know, use moral suasion on Darfur to pressure them to uh, protect these folks. And China is more or less giving them the green light. Mm -hmm. They're buying all the oil. And so this government does not have to respond to the rest of the world, all because of China. Of course, China's got their own human rights problems when it comes to one child, one family, or whether it's uh, with them censoring the Internet, uh, of course, jailing Baptist preachers and other Christian preachers and teachers. Um, but Spielberg says, look, some things are more important than the Olympics and human rights, particularly human life, human life in Darfur. And I think this is interesting because Mike Huckabee says, look, if we don't stand up for human life, we will fall for anything. That's what he said last night on this program. That's why the human life distinctive is so important. And here's Huckabee saying why you should consider him over and against John McCain. Well, the momentum can change with Texas. And if they're completely satisfied that John McCain represents their views and values on gay marriage and on uh, abortion and on uh, border security, then they should vote for him. But if they think that he doesn't, then they shouldn't let somebody from Washington or New York tell them who to vote for. Uh, that's just a, a, an absolute craziness. And, you know, the people of Texas ought to make their own decisions. They shouldn't, uh, in essence, be pushed into voting for somebody because the people of New York and California and Connecticut and Delaware voted a certain way. Uh, I think people in Texas ought to vote the way that folks in Arkansas and West Virginia and Alabama and Georgia and Kansas and Iowa and Tennessee, uh, they voted for me. Pretty good company. I'd say so, and I think it's it's indicative of the conservative viewpoint and values of, uh, of the South and of, of the base of the Republican Party. All right, that's Mike Huckabee, our exclusive interview with him last night right here on Jerry Johnson Live. And we may have some more sound from that interview later in the program. But next, coming up, our feminist pushing others around at the university. We're going to talk about that problem and the solution when we come back. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter later is the Democratic Party getting religion? Is it sincere or a sham show? We're going to talk about that when we come back. Hey, what are you doing with your life? If you're interested in doing ministry at college or just doing something for Christ now, come to Chriswell College and learn how you can get your education and get trained for ministry. Chriswell College in Dallas offers fully accredited bachelor's and master's degrees in biblical studies, youth ministry, missions, evangelism, counseling, and more. If you'd like to come and check us out, we're having a preview day on February 28th from 8.30 until 1 o'clock. 
Preview Day is a free event where you can send in on some classes, have lunch with professors, ask any questions that you may have, and worship with us in chapel. Give us a call today at 214-818-1393 to reserve your spot. We would love to help you out and answer any questions that you may have. Call us, 214-818-1393, or go to chriswell.edu. Call 800-899-0012 for more information about Preview Day at the Chriswell College. You can also see more information on the web at chriswell.edu. The Chriswell College in Dallas. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Chriswell College and Chriswell Communications. I am so grateful to be here today. Giving all praise and honor to God. All right, that's Barack Obama. He is surging in the Democratic contest for President of the United States, and he's talking faith, he's talking religion, he's talking prayer. We're going to talk about that in the next segment, but there are problems. Here's Obama when it comes to what the Bible says about homosexuality. There are some folks who, coming out of the church, uh, have you know, elevated one line in Romans uh, above the Sermon in the Mount. All right. Is this religious talk sincere, or is Obama and other Democrats, are they talking out of both sides of their mouth? We're going to talk about the Democrat Party getting religion in the next segment. Feminists uh, still willed considerable cloud on state-funded university campuses, but their message is liberal. It's often Marxist. It's dangerous. But sometimes it's really kind of funny, and our next guest has had some run-ins with campus feminists. He is Mike Adams, and he is professor of criminology at the University of North Carolina. Uh, welcome, Dr. Adams. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, glad to talk to you. Hey, you've got a new book out, Feminists Say the Darndest Things. And, uh, you know, when I look at feminism, and I've studied it for years, it's really, in a sense, radical feminism is dying because young woman, women don't need it. I mean, they've got the opportunities that uh, everyone has, so it's not relevant to them, but it is still alive and well on the university campus, isn't it? Well, yeah, a different form of it is. You know, the old feminism was just about creating um, equal opportunities, and, and that's what feminism is and should be, and, and in that sense, everyone ought to be a feminist, but the new feminism is about guaranteeing equal outcomes, and that is simply another variation of Marxism, and that's what's all over the college campuses today, and that's what I write about in the new book. You know, when I think about this whole idea of a young woman being at a college campus and majoring in women's studies, I mean, you know, that's kind of a, a, a recipe for poverty in your future life, unless you're going to have a successful career teaching it on campus, right? Oh, oh right. It, it's, uh, it's a recipe for intellectual poverty, because the only place you're going is uh, where you're going nowhere. You're staying right on uh, the college campus, and um, it really has no use out there in the real world. Um, you, you know, it, it, I think anything that ends in studies today, whether it's African-American studies uh, or gay and lesbian <laughs> studies or women's studies, really has no use out in the real world. Okay, your book uh, has got a lot of truth to it. It's also funny. And uh, one thing that I found interesting, since we are broadcasting from Dallas, uh, Texas, uh, interesting story, and I don't know if this is true or not, or just tongue-in-cheek, but the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders were going to visit uh, your school, uh, University of North Carolina at Wilmington, and yet no, the feminists... No, that's a true story. Okay. That's a completely true story. Tell us the story, uh, for then. For whatever reason, and I'm not sure what the circumstances were, um, you know, about 10 years or so ago, they were going to come to the campus, and uh, the feminist went crazy and, and said, well, we can't have that. It sends the wrong message about what a woman should look like. because It kind of promotes anorexia? 
Well, it, it's kind of funny, you know. <laughs> yeah, they they have these body awareness, body image weeks, uh, the feminist sponsor every year, in which they get very large models out. And, you know, what they're trying to teach is that, um, you know, what we view as being attractive is, is culturally, not biologically influenced. And so they didn't want to send that message, and so they sort of banned the uh, Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders from coming to campus, and then years later they put up posters with very skinny uh, nude men uh, facing, mm. facing in the other direction, of course, of the uh, uh, of the camera you know, on posters as a part of a gender arts festival. And I joked in in um, an excerpt from the book um, that I published today online that there's a real double standard there. You know, the feminists are not worried about an outbreak of anorexia among men and. And, and, you know, you see it in so many ways in the campus feminist movement. They set up double standards that send the message that somehow women are weaker. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking with Mike Adams. He's written the book, Feminists Say the Darndest Things. Uh, Mike, let me ask you this question, because they have this multicultural agenda. Yes. And I think they're a little bit tortured when it comes to speaking up and speaking out against the way the Muslims uh, are treating Women, why do not, why don't the the feminist leaders speak out against the way the terrible way that uh, Islam treats women? I think there are two reasons. One reason is that they are afraid of them, and that unfortunately, you know, sometimes terrorism works. Uh, but I think <laughs> the other the other reason is uh, essentially that they don't care about women in other countries. Uh, you know, they're all about their own sexual liberation and sexual freedom. And they're just not concerned. You know, I did a survey uh, a week or two ago in which I spent a whole afternoon calling across the country different women's centers asking them if they had done or planned to do anything dealing with the abuse of women under radical Islam. And, of course, none of them did at the campus feminist or or women's centers. And, you know, one woman, by the way, responded from one of these centers by saying, you know, the abuse of women is a problem in all religions. Well, you know, that is <laughs> sounds a lot like moral equivalency that is born out of yeah. moral relativism and multiculturalism. I, I think you hit the nail on the head. Uh, let me ask you this, Mike, because it seems like um, they've got another conundrum right now facing many of these feminists, and that is that uh, there is a kind of Elvis Beatles rock star euphoria around Barack Obama. Right. But at the same time, many of them have already pre-committed to Hillary Clinton right. as a woman. What's happening on the academic campus with these feminist leaders? Um, uh, wh- how are they going to resolve this tension? Oh, I think most of them are, are going to resolve it by saying, oh, I'm not committed, or I might be leaning towards Obama, and then going in in the secrecy of the voting booth and voting for Hillary Clinton. That's how I think the campus feminist will resolve it. They're going to vote for the woman. Oh, I think they will, without question. Dr. Mike Adams is with us. Uh, Dr. Adams, do feminists, from your experience with feminists, and I know you've had you know quite a bit of that, uh, yes. um, do they hate men? Oh, you know, I, I, often it seems like they do, and I think many of them do. But I want to say this. I think that very often the anger that they display is really feigned. I think very often with campus speech codes, which supposedly give a, a right to remain unoffended, you know, you've heard of these campus speech mm-hmm. codes that says everyone has a constitutional right to feel comfortable. I think sometimes they will pretend to be angry, they will pretend to be offended, because they're trying to trump constitutionally protected free speech. So I don't know how much of it is real and how much of it is simply made up. 
So what's happened to you? Because I know that some of your uh, disputes have actually bordered on uh, ruining your career, yet you've remained there. Well, you know, I, I just think that whenever you're telling the truth, uh, you're going to prevail. <laughs> and I'm certainly telling the truth, the ugly truth about the campus feminist movement. And, uh, you know, I'm in litigation right now with the university over uh, denying my promotion to full professor. Uh, but I feel confident, and, uh, y- you know, if the book sells enough, then it won't matter pretty soon. But, yeah. uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, I think that the campus feminist movement has become so dishonest that it's really easy to tell uh, – to take these people on, because eventually they they get caught up in the web of their own contradictions. All right, folks, this is Dr. Mike Adams. You need to check out this book, Feminists Say the Darndest Things, A Politically Incorrect Professor Confronts Women on Campus. Dr. Adams, thank you for being with us. Oh, thank you so much. Have a good evening. All right, folks, look, you need to hear about this because many of you right now are thinking about where your son, where your daughter is going to school next fall. You're making those decisions right now. Maybe you've already made those decisions, and you need to know what's really happening at the university. Right now, I have in my hand the Chronicle of Higher Education, and the cover story, Conservatives Just Aren't Into Academy, the study finds. And, of course, they don't get it, but the Chronicle is certainly chronicling the fact that that college and university campuses are dominated, dominated by liberals. And, uh, of course, they say here that, uh, well, the conservatives just aren't going up uh, and doing graduate study. Well, why not? It's because they're discouraged. It's because the folks that are that are uh, at the undergraduate level teaching there uh, discourage those conservatives and the schools won't hire them. Mm-hmm. And I think the students, too, um, it, the the young students who would pursue graduate work and had their face still intact after, you know, four years of undergrad, you know, they're really tired of having their values assaulted uh, by liberal professors who are basically mocking them sometimes, downgrading papers and tests because of their conservative views. So, you know, they're staying away, too. Well, you've got the overwhelmingly leftist faculty. You've got the overwhelmingly leftist off-campus speakers that are brought on to speak at graduation and so forth. You've got persecution of students with religious faith. Mm -hmm. You've got professors who penalize students who reveal themselves to be conservative. You've got uh, faculty hiring procedures which favor the liberals. You've got denial of tenure for conservatives. You've got tenure rules and lifetime salaries uh, for incompetent and liberal professors. They won't allow the ROTC on these campuses. They won't allow U.S. military recruiters on the campuses. Well, it's a different story at Criswell College. Let me just tell you about that. We're here broadcasting live from Criswell College. Our professors at Criswell are conservative, evangelical, Bible-believing Christians. Uh, That's who we are. That's what we're about. And if you want to send that son or that daughter, or maybe you're looking for a good Christian higher education, Crystal College could be the right choice. In fact, Preview Day is coming up next week. Go to our website, criswell.edu, and we've got College for a Day coming down soon. All right. The Democrats and religion. Think back to JFK. With a good conscience, our only sure reward, with history the final judge of our deeds, Let us go forth to lead the land we love.
asking his blessing and his help, but knowing that here on earth, God's work must truly be our own. All right, that's John F. Kennedy, a Democrat, saying God's work is our own. Well, have the Democrats rediscovered religion? Is it sincere? Or is it a sham? We're going to talk to someone who says the Democrats have rediscovered religion. It's going to help them win. Let's talk about it when we come back. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. What I discovered is God works in mysterious ways because I thought that I was helping other people, but it turned out they were helping me. I thought that I was coming to to save a community, but in fact, I was the one who was being saved. Because through that work, through that ministry, through that interaction with the church, I accepted Jesus Christ into my life. All right, that's Barack Obama. He's running for president of the United States. Very unusual to hear Democrats in the primary, particularly, talking religion. Here's Hillary Clinton. I don't pretend to understand um, the wisdom and the power of God. I do believe in prayer, and I have relied on prayer uh, consistently throughout my life. All right, Democrats talking religion. What's going on here? Is this the real deal? Well, a lot of people are saying Republicans no longer have a lock on religion in the uh, political process. In fact, a new book out predicts that the 2008 Democratic nominee will win back the religious voters lost to the GOP over the last generation. Very interesting thesis. And this book is entitled The Party Faithful, How and Why Democrats Are Closing the God Gap. There's a picture of a donkey with a halo (laughs) over its head. And uh, our guest is the author of this book. She's Amy Sullivan. Uh, She is the nation editor at Time Magazine. She's a leading expert on religion and politics. She is a Michigan native, and she holds degrees from the University of Michigan and Harvard Divinity School. She's got this new book out. She's with us now. Amy, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on. All right. uh, Your thesis is that the Democrats are and will gain back religious voters. How is that happening? (laughs) Well, it should be that Democrats could win back uh, voters in November of 2008. Not necessarily that they will. They've got to listen to your recommendations, right? (laughs) It wouldn't hurt, but, you know, it's also uh, they're fighting kind of the tradition of the last few decades, which is partly well-motivated, you know, a desire to not wear religion on their sleeve um, and kind of a reaction at what they have seen as a, uh, an abuse of religion uh, by the Republican Party. Um, but partly it's a, a new kind of a, an openness, a realization that, in fact, uh, most Democratic voters are religious people. Um, and that it's not a matter of us versus them, that they have evangelicals and Catholics and people of all faiths within the Democratic Party, and it's about time that they started recognizing them. You know, I guess the question I have is, could the Democrat Party really get the uh, relationship with white evangelical churches that they've had with black churches? Um, Is that even possible? I mean, that's really where they've had the religious vote in the past. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's a good question. Um, and actually, we are seeing some changes. I mean, one of the interesting things, uh, particularly in South Carolina before the primaries, uh, was that Barack Obama got invited not just to black churches, where you know Democrats are used to hanging out before elections, but he was invited to a number of white evangelical churches as well. Um, and I think you've heard, uh, you know, listening to that clip that you played, um, there's definitely a difference in how comfortable he is talking about his faith openly uh, versus some of the past Democratic nominees. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live with Penna Dexter. We're talking to Amy Sullivan. She's written the book, The Party Faithful. She has a degree from Harvard Divinity School. Uh, Amy, uh, we're going to talk in a few minutes about abortion and homosexuality, but I do see an expanding of the issues as part of this uh, Democrat trend. I want you to listen to this sound from Dennis Kucinich, and he's linking, I think, his platform with a biblical text. When we think of the scriptures, Isaiah, making justice, the measuring line, Matthew 25, whatever you do for the least of our brethren, where, where the biblical injunction, make peace with your brother, all of these things relate to my philosophy. All right, Amy, I see E.J. Dion. I see... Um, you and Jim Wallace uh, calling attention to the fact that the Democrats are going beyond abortion and homosexuality to talk about other biblical issues. Could you just expand upon that and what Kucinich had to say? Sure. Well, you've raised a couple of issues there, and one uh, that I'll just get out of the way quickly is... um, while it is good to hear Democrats talking about religion, they need to be careful that they're not just kind of sprinkling scripture verses in <laughs> randomly. Right. You know, after 2004, when they started to realize they had a real problem here, uh, I diagnosed what I think to think of as biblical Tourette syndrome, where they would just kind of randomly start <laughs> spouting hymn uh, lyrics. Proof texting. That's not helpful. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, they're really being met halfway, particularly uh, by younger evangelicals who um, are Rick still Warren. Younger evangelicals like Rick Warren, Joel Austin, Bill Hybels, but also I'm talking about kids uh, at Christian college campuses. Uh, you know, we did a poll at Time a couple of weeks ago of under 30 voters, and even I was surprised, and I thought I followed this closely, to find that 35% of Democratic voters under 30 are evangelical. And it's the same thing with independent voters. 35% are, uh, are born-again Christians. And um, that comes as a surprise, I think, to most people in the Democratic Party. But it's because those voters, they're not uh, just concerned about abortion, although they're mostly still uh, pro-life and opposed to gay marriage. Uh, but they also care about the environment. They're opposed to the war in Iraq. Uh, they're going on mission trips for their spring breaks to third-world countries, and they're seeing with their own eyes the real problems of poverty around the world. And so they're adding those to their issues that they care about, and that's making them take a harder look at what Republicans are doing, but also to give Democrats a chance. Okay, Amy, let me uh, ask you to do this. We're going to play a couple of Democrats here, because I do want to go to that abortion issue, because my question is, is this the transcendent issues that the Democrats cannot get beyond, or can they navigate it? Here is John F. Kennedy on human rights. The rights of man come not from the generosity of the state, but from the hand of God. 
All right, Amy, that's, of course, a reference to the Declaration of Independence. We're endowed by the Creator with these rights. The first one, the right to life. Now, I had Madeleine Albright on this program some time ago, leading Democrat, has served uh, in the Clinton cabinet, and I asked her if there was a theological basis for human rights. Here's her answer. Uh, if you believe, as I do, that God created us all and created us equally, then we cannot watch uh, as one group of us is tortured or is not allowed to live up to their fullest potential or uh, is repressed in some way. So I, I think that it's a sense of morality which comes from one's belief in God and a theological basis in that case. Amy, here's my question for you. If Christians truly believe that we are created in God's image, that every human life is sacred and special, uh, abortion is a non-negotiable for many evangelicals. Uh, are the Democrats going to be able, you know, talking about the environment and the poor and other programs, are they going to be able to get past this fundamental issue when there's such a direct link? Well, you know, it's certainly true um, that uh, that's been an issue that's really just torn up the country over the last 35 years. Um, and it's something that a, a lot of Christians feel very, very deeply about. And I think for those who believe that the only goal uh, would be to just outlaw abortion uh, completely, it's going to be tough um, for them to find that they can support Democrats because the, the Democratic Party platform is going to continue um, to support Roe v. Wade as the law of the land. But what I've seen happening over the last few years is a movement on both sides. You know, a, a third of Democratic voters are pro-life, and they're very well aware of where Democrats stand, um, at least the, where the party stands on abortion. But they've started talking about a common goal of reducing the abortion rate in this country, because whether you're pro-life or you're pro-choice, you can agree that too many abortions take place. And I certainly understand and I respect those who say, well, if it's wrong, it's just wrong outright, and reducing it is not the same as getting rid of it. Let me jump in a minute, uh, Amy, on that issue, because, you know, um, if you look at the, la the Clinton pre uh, presidency, the last Democrat administration, you saw President Clinton really vetoing a ban on partial birth abortion. Uh, which, uh, you know, I think most people can agree is kind of a no-brainer that should have uh, passed and, and been signed. He vetoed it three times. And then you've got the candidate now, Obama, who's seen by many people as sort of a religious figure, really one of the most pro-abortion guys out there. I mean, his vote in the Illinois legislature, not even to give medical care to uh, babies who didn't survived abortion attempts, I mean, in in a sense, how could a Christian support that type of a, a regime? You know, I really have a problem with calling people pro-abortion because I think, you know, there may be a handful of folks out there who think abortion is a good thing. But that's very different from trying to protect women um, and allow women to have the choice to have an abortion in some very difficult circumstances. Um, but at the same time, I, I, as someone um, who feels very morally conflicted about abortion, it kind of offends me to see that the, the strategy for the last 10 or 15 years has been to uh, basically come up with votes 
um, that have very little to do with real-life situations, but instead are kind of designed to put politicians in a tough position. Well, it's really the when, only way to measure someone's record is to look at how they voted. I mean, it's really well, the but best you know way. What, what I've seen is that, because uh, I've done some work on reducing uh, teenage pregnancy rates, and we have really lowered those by 30% mm-hmm. in the last 15 years. Lots of reasons so for that. I've seen that you can, you're right, it's certainly it's a combination. Amy, of let's take a break. We've got to take a break. We're up on a hard break here. When we come back, we'll switch over and talk a little bit about prayer. We'll get some prayer into this thing. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Penn and Dexter. We're talking with Amy Sullivan. She's written a book, The Party Faithful, How and Why Democrats Are Closing the God Gap. Of course, Clinton and Obama debating tonight. Will there be more God talk? We're going to play some of their sound on prayer when we come back. This is Jerry Johnson Live. We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. I am very grateful that I had a grounding in faith that gave me the courage and the strength to do what I thought was right, regardless of what the world thought. All right, that's Hillary Clinton, and she's running for president of the United States. She's talking about God. Also, Barack Obama talking about America. Whatever we once were, we are no longer a Christian nation. All right, so that's kind of a mixed signal right there. Our guest to talk about this is Amy Sullivan. She's written a book called The Party Faithful. She's the nation editor for Time magazine. She's talking about how and why the Democrats are closing the God Gap. Amy, in this book, you write about John Kerry and how he dropped the ball on this. Uh, Here's my question. We're down to two Democrats now. Uh, Are they going to pull it off? How would you advise them uh, to reach the Christian community? Well, one of the things they can do is what uh, Democratic candidates started uh, in a few states in the midterm elections in 2006. And I'll say, uh, before I explain what the strategy was, it sounds too simple to work. Um, And, in fact, I've had a reviewer call my uh, recommendations lame. (laughs) He thought it just was too obvious. But in some cases, it's, uh, it's what's obvious that needs to be tried. In Michigan and Ohio, the state Democratic parties and the two candidates running for governor there, uh, Jennifer Granholm in Michigan and Ted Strickland in Ohio, they spent a year 
just sitting down with evangelical pastors, with Catholic leaders, with lay leaders and voters all over their states, um, and just uh, hearing them out, not trying to change anyone's mind, not trying to twist their arm and make them vote for the Democratic ticket, uh, but talking about things like the moral complexity of the abortion issue, um, letting them know where they were coming from, what their own faith background was, um, and most importantly, sitting down and listening to them. And in many cases, these were folks who hadn't heard from Democrats in decades, wow. if ever. And you know what they found is they all thought the, the conversation would start and stop with abortion, but it really didn't. You know, they did find common ground that they did all want to reduce the abortion rate. And just knowing that they were all operating from positions of, you know, pardon the pun, good faith, um, really did help. And even though a lot of those pastors didn't end up voting uh, for the Democrats in the fall, a lot of the people in their pews did. Both those candidates, who are both pro-choice, got half of the evangelical vote in their state. And they got it because the Sunday before the election, those pastors were less likely to get up in the pulpit and preach that it was a Christian's duty to vote for the Republicans and against the Democrats mm. because they'd sat down with those Democrats and they respected them and felt like they were respected in return, even if they didn't agree. Amy, let me ask you this question. Actually, I want you to listen to three sound bites because it's not really just about abortion. I'm wondering sometimes if some of the Democrats are using the vocabulary, but maybe a different dictionary than evangelicals. Here's a three Democrat presidential candidates on prayer. Joe Biden first. All the prayer in the world will not stop a hurricane. Here's John Edwards. I don't think you can prevent bad things from happening through prayer. Here's Mike Gravel. Many people who pray are the ones who want to go to war, who want to kill fellow human beings. That disturbs me. I think what we need is more love. All right, Amy, is this the way to win over the evangelicals? Well, I certainly don't think taking those three, um, and I'm, I'm not sure what the context was for any of their comments. Well, it was a Democrat debate. They were talking about the hurricanes, and they, they wanted to know if, here was the question, could prayer influence um, the direction of a hurricane? Right. Well, and uh, Pat Robertson claimed, you know, that he prayed in the hurricane Miss Virginia Beach years ago. Mm-hmm. He was running for president. And it was a setup, and that was their response. Okay, well, thank you for the context. Um, you know, this is an area where, and I have to say, I'm an evangelical Christian. I grew up in a Baptist church, and I'm still an evangelical. Um, and I think people of good faith uh, can come to very different uh, decisions about the power of prayer. I mean, I pray every day, and I rely on it um, in my life. But, you know, I have an ongoing disagreement with my mother um, that. You know, when my my dad has had several heart attacks in the past few years, uh, it it bothers me that she thinks that uh, prayer will help my dad, uh, but you know, some other person who doesn't have people praying for them will will not be helped uh, because God doesn't care about that person. You know, I, I think that you can have um, honest disagreements, like I said, uh, about the power of prayer, and still be a very strong person of faith. Amy, uh, this is a provocative book, an interesting book, and uh, you'll probably be talking to lots of Democrat uh, politicians in future years, advising them on the issues of faith. We appreciate your being with us uh, today and uh, really having this interesting discussion. Thanks for joining us. I appreciate you letting me talk to you. 
All right, folks, we're going to continue this conversation, I hope, at a later date. Uh, a couple of thoughts I want to bring to you from the, from the Scripture. Of course, the Bible says, The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. And, of course, James, um, not in the Gospels, not even in the book of Acts, but James compares the power of prayer to what Elijah experienced and Elisha, and he says that uh, prayer can change the weather sometimes. God doesn't always change the weather when we pray, but he might, and he has. And James says that we're to pray and know that God can change even rain patterns. And here's my observation, is that most evangelicals, Bible-believing Christians, still believe that God could change a medical situation, a weather situation, uh, a job situation, a family situation. God still works miracles. It was obvious from Joe Biden and John Edwards and Mike Gravel, they don't believe in that sort of supernatural possibility with prayer. And uh, that's the difference between saying, well, prayer is what I think about myself and feeling good and meditation, or prayer could actually move heaven to intervene and do something supernatural. God might just show up and change what was going to happen. Well, tomorrow we're actually going to look into this theological conundrum of God's sovereignty and prayer. One of our professors here at Criswell College has addressed that issue when it comes to uh, Union University and the great disaster there. And we're going to talk about how prayer, our friend Dr. Moeller having a major surgery, and we've been asked to pray for him. And, uh, you know, if you believe in God's sovereignty, uh, how does prayer fit in with the sovereignty of God? So we're talking about that tomorrow. You want to listen in? Also tomorrow, a politically incorrect guide to the Middle East. And we're going to talk about why it's a bad idea for the Palestinians to have their own country. Yes. And who are the Palestinians? Is this a created, an artificially created people group? We're going to talk about that tomorrow. Now remember this. God is not a Republican. God is not a Democrat. But God is pro-life. And it's not so important that God is on our side, but that we're on God's side. God has a side on marriage. God has a side on human life. And we need to get on that side. It's Jerry Johnson Live with Pennedexter. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.